This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please stop whatever you're doing. Go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support the show. Mm -hmm. Five bucks a month to get ad-free episodes, a bonus episode where we talk about, I don't know, life-threatening situations, apparently, based on last week. Yeah, y'all, Hammond almost died in Washington, and none of us (laughs) even knew where he was. Well, his wife did. I didn't. (laughs) I did. Uh, (laughs) You also can join the Discord server for Mm. this channel. You could listen to this on YouTube. Um, the weird thing about recording this on Thursday night, as mm-hmm. we are right now, is that there's a major, another major Supreme Court decision involving religion looming, mm-hmm. and it could happen by the time this comes out tomorrow oh, morning. So we're immediately out of date. Out of, yeah, <laughs> but there's other stuff to discuss. Um, I wanted to start with this disturbing story that's not even really news related, but it it uh. It, it's just a reminder that the people who speak for evangelical Christianity are the worst. Oh, okay. Okay. Let's do it. Here's, it involves Franklin Graham, the evangelist mm. with over 10 million followers on Facebook. One of the lo- loudest internet megaphones out there. Mm. And who is generally seen as kind of the, I mean, not just because of his father, Billy Graham, mm-hmm. but like one of the unofficial spokespeople for like the religion sure. as far as Fox news is concerned. We need an evangelical. Can we call somebody? Get this guy. Um, here's the backstory to why he's in the news this week. Um, you got to go back a decade. Oh. There was um, a husband and wife. The husband's name is Saeed Abadini and the wife's name. I'm going to try this. Nagme Panahi. But basically what you need to know is the husband is a Christian pastor who was in Iran in 2012. And he was basically arrested, I think, for like starting churches there, Christian churches in a very Muslim country. Mm -hmm. It was religious discrimination, no doubt. Not okay. He was uh, arrested for it. Mm -hmm. All the evangelical Christians were begging the Obama administration. You got to do something to get this guy back. Do whatever it takes. And to be honest with you, I think in 2016, when this guy was finally freed, it only happened because of like a prisoner swap, which is controversial in its own right. But that's kind of where this guy's story is, right? Okay. So for four years, that means you had Christians trying to raise his profile, Mm -hmm. trying to tell the world, really, this guy is a clear cut case of religious discrimination um, we need to get the world behind us mm-hmm. to help free this guy so nothing bad happens to him. And honestly, on that front, like, they're right. He shouldn't have been arrested. Um, and again, he was freed in 2016. Here's where it gets a little weird. So mm-hmm. for four years while they're doing this, Franklin Graham, the evangelist, is one of the people right. trying to fight for his release, which makes sense. It, it's in his wheelhouse. It's the perfect Christian martyr yeah, story. Yeah, it's the first actual Christian persecution that they've ever heard of, and so they're just really <laughs> excited to see what it's like. Right, and, and over the three, four years that this is happening... Uh, his wife, uh, last name Panahi, she's been also fighting for her husband's release, okay. which also makes sense. But the weird thing is, again, I said he was released in 2016. Right. In 2015, Uh-oh. after years of advocating for his release, she basically stopped. She stopped saying, you know, break him free. What's going on? What? And she started telling a very different story. What happened around that time is that she told her supporters by email, I guess, that her husband had been abusive to her. Huh. Uh, she said she can no longer live a lie. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and she later confirmed publicly, like she had experienced, and I'm quoting here, physical, emotional, psychological, and sexual abuse <sighs> through her husband's addiction to pornography. Mm, okay. okay. The abuse, she said, started early in their marriage, and has worsened during his imprisonment, which I assume is the like psychological sure, aspect of it, Jesus. the emotional aspect of it. And she hadn't spoken to him like from mid 2015 onward. So like she said, and this was interesting, she said, when he gets home, we can address the serious issues that have happened and continued, basically saying, I do want him freed. He shouldn't be locked up for what he did, which was spreading the gospel in Iran. Uh-huh. But also we have issues and like I want to deal with them, but also I want him freed. And that's a separate thing. Okay, 
So separate story, add some nuance to what's going on here. You could tell why she stopped vocally pushing for him to get out, even though she wanted him to get out. There's your backdrop. So all of a sudden this week in the Washington Post, Uh someone who has been reporting on her husband's saga for ever since that happened, Uh uh, posted an update. This is Sarah Pulliam Bailey of the Washington Post, posts an article recapping kind of that whole saga Uh along with kind of a bombshell that involves Franklin Graham. Because Franklin Graham had been advocating for the release of the husband this whole time. Right. But he was also, and this is not a a secret scandalous affair. That's not where this story is going. But he's been close to the wife, too, during this entire time. Because even when her husband's locked up, he is kind of her spokesperson, the one who has contacts in the White House. He's been close to her and their kids and all of that. She's probably depended on him. She depended on him. Yeah. He even provided like planes for her to travel so she can make advocacy pushes and things like that. Uh Um, But at one point it turns out that when he, when Franklin Graham first learned that she was accusing him, the husband of abuse of all kinds. Uh-huh. Uh, this is from the Washington Post. He asked her, are you cheating on him? What? Yeah. Wait, what? Why? Because she said he's abusing me. I don't want to support what he's doing. I can't, I can't vocally be out there advocating for him. So he thinks so she's he thought, cheating on him? Yeah. So that he thought like, is that why you're no longer vocally supporting your husband? A woman made a decision. She probably did it in <laughs> bad faith. Franklin Graham told the Washington Post that he suspected an affair because she had been advocating so fervently for her husband's release only to, quote, go cold on him. And so he told the Post, it was a good question to ask, and I would have asked it again. All right. I mean... Not, how is he abusive? Not, are you okay? Not, is there any way I can support you during this time? He assumed something weird had happened, which was true. There was a shift for a reason, but he automatically assumed she had done something, not the other way around. Okay, whatever. Bad decision on his part. Bad question to ask. That's not the problem here, actually. Um, But as he told her, as she told him, about the abuse and the details of the abuse. At this point, you would think, okay, now he figured it out. So now Um, he gets it. No, he said, can you like not talk about that stuff? Because we kind of, we're all rooting for this guy. Yeah, he's he's our poster boy. He's our poster boy. And we need you to like not ruin that. Can you like reunite with him? That's where he's going with this. She later described what he had done. I'm sorry, but I'm going to read this out loud. Uh She said the abuse involved when they were together, kicking and shoving, Mm. beating her severely, her word, grabbing her by the neck during pregnancy. Fuck. Yeah. He denied all of this, I should say. He said, when I did stuff, it was in self-defense. And he also accused his wife of lying to promote her own ministry. Of course. Of course. But also, there's a question to ask of how come you didn't go public with any of this Mm. when... He was imprisoned. You were advocating fervently for him. All sorts of reasons. That sort of thing happens. I mean, maybe she has a lot riding on the marriage. Maybe she didn't know how serious the abuse was in her own mind until she had a chance to reflect on it because he's gone for a while. I mean, I can imagine Um, she did not feel like she would have been believed or supported if mm -hmm. she was believed, right? Like, And, and... True and she to, was true to form. And she was also taught in like evangelical circles to submit to her husband sure. no matter what. So you could see why she might not want to. Graham, though, told her, you're better off just not talking about it. Sure. Uh, your pain is making all of us uncomfortable. So can you just <laughs> put it away? Early 2016, after she went public, uh-huh. at least to close supporters, but before he was released, he wrote her an email, according to the Washington Post, that said... the husband wrote the email? This is Franklin Graham Franklin writing Graham to the, the wife. Okay. Saying, I'm not saying that Saeed is not guilty of abuse. Mm, mm-hmm. I'm sure he's guilty of much more. The problem is you exposed him publicly to the whole world and embarrassed him. And you did this while he was still in prison when he cannot defend himself or speak about these issues. Mm -hmm. Uh That's a real crime here is that she embarrassed a man. Truly the adage of uh, Margaret Atwood, the men are afraid women are going to laugh at them. Women Mm. are afraid men are going to kill them. 
becomes more and more true with each I'm gonna, passing day. I'm going to jump around chronologically here. Yeah. So all of a sudden then, 2016, the guy gets released. He gets to go back home. Mm-hmm. And yes, they are back together in their home for a little while. Um, but during a visit with the kids... Okay. Uh, he apparently grabbed their eight-year-old son by the neck when he didn't clean up a water spill. Oh, Jesus. She had to take the son to a hospital, and he was put in a neck brace. And after that, a judge granted a emergency order of protection. Good. Um, which is to say she... Where she, are they living at this time? I think she is in Colorado at this oh, point. Oh, they're in the United States. Okay. Yeah. Um, so she accused him of abuse. There's ample evidence of the abuse. Franklin Graham was like, can you like stick together for the hell of it? Um, and for the so, hell of it, for my, you know, for my benefit. benefit. And then here's the most damning thing mm. that Graham told the wife during this entire saga. Um, according to the recording, which she provided the Washington Post, Graham said yeah, the marriage can be fixed easily. Oh. He dismissed the severity of her abuse. He said, I'm not here to defend him, uh, calling you bad names, yelling at you, whatever, mm. saying I'm not here to defend what he did. And then she cuts in, beating me. Franklin Graham says, Oof. Mm. Franklin Graham says, look, abuse is a gray area. What? And that an abusive husband, wait for this, an abusive husband, woman who says she's getting beaten, is someone who, quote, comes home and he takes a six pack of beer and he jumps off the chair because the kids are making noise and beats his wife and beats the kids. And that's something that goes on almost every day, unquote. What? And that was not her situation, Graham told her, because he felt an abusive husband was someone who, quote, stomped on his wife every night. Basically saying there's only one. Right. Franklin Graham saying there's one definition of an abusive husband, and it's someone who's constantly always abusive every day of your life. It's a very like 1960s view of what like spousal abuse is, is the dad comes home and drinks a six pack of beer and. And, you know, beats the shit out of his wife, like fucking John Wayne Gacy's house was like that growing up. Like. And yeah, that does happen, but... And she chimes in after all this, I was beaten. Good for And she, her. he just keeps going on and says, you know, uh, he urged her to speak with him, saying, you know, you, you haven't had a chance to talk things out. Okay, so this guy's having a PR problem mm-hmm. and is trying to put out this particular fire. And he even dismissed the idea of going to an abuse counselor. Sure, we would Because hate that. he said, what, what's his excuse? Don't go see an abuse counselor. Why not? Oh, um, they will talk you into the fact that you were abused, even if you weren't. No, that's not no? his. Ex- that's not close? his reason. His reason is well, you could get some godless psychiatrist. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, the godless person is going to be the problem, unlike mm-hmm. the very good Christian who's beating the shit out of her. So cool, tosses cool. out the possibility cool, of cool, seeing cool. an abuse counselor because no amount of qualified expertise could possibly outweigh the fact. That someone might not share his bigoted faith. Here's the good news. I, there's no good news, but here's the silver lining. Uh, the wife, Panahi, at some point, she stopped listening to Franklin Graham. And so they divorced later that year in October of 2016 after her. he had returned. Uh-huh. Uh, she was eventually given full custody of their kids. Good. That guy is now somewhere in the Middle East. He didn't want to disclose the location. He doesn't want to be found. So, like, he's out of her life, Mm -hmm. which is good. Meanwhile, Graham, like, is... Graham's still spreading bigotry in other ways on Facebook and stuff. What's appalling is, like, this is, again, one of the most famous spokespeople for evangelical Christianity. Here is clear-cut proof of this guy giving the worst advice oh to God. a Christian in need of help at a time when he's publicly out there pushing for her husband and her, in a way, mm-hmm. and secretly he's like, yeah, but, you know, you weren't really a victim. So he cares about victims of Christian persecution, but not domestic violence pick victims. Sounds like it. By which the way, do I you had think to... is more common, would you say? <laughs> and which do you think affects women more than men? Would you get, just out of, off the top of your head, which, uh, which one? Which one? It's a, it's a very good question. I had to go back for a little bit. You know what he said during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings? 
God. Yeah, what? when he was accused, when Brett Kavanaugh was accused of sexual assault during the confirmation hearings, uh, Franklin Graham summarized the accusations against him by saying, well, she said no, and he respected that. Which, that if... isn't my understanding of what happened. That isn't what happened, according to anyone's understanding okay. of Christine Blasey Ford's story. But again, the point is, this is not the first time he takes the side of an alleged abuser uh-huh. over the words of an alleged victim because he cared more about, I don't know, gaining political power than expressing he, sincere empathy. Also, he doesn't care about women. I want to be really yeah. crystal fucking clear on this point. This is a man who does not give a shit about women. Yeah, he was more than willing to throw her under the oh, bus. yeah, to further his suffer. own yeah. agenda. Absolutely, Absolutely he would. And he's doing it every single fucking day. Oh, Franklin Graham. Asshole. Every time with that guy. I cannot... I, I do ch- not know why he's always seen as like the look at his... Uh, charity contribution. Their charity does so much. Yeah, they they proselytize and and for con- force conversions and stuff. And yeah, this is the stuff he actually does mm-hmm. with his power, and it's the worst. Yeah, this is <sighs> fucking terrible. Okay, let's let's talk about the Supreme and Court I'm case. Sorry, yeah, I go know, ahead. but it just there is no way that every single fucking pastor isn't giving this exact same advice to every abused woman who comes to him. We just went through the whole Southern Baptist Convention uh, sex abuse scandal where par- many of the people in not who may not have abused people themselves, mm-hmm. people came to, like uh, Paige Patterson that we talked about. Yeah, yeah. This is a guy who told a woman to go back to her husband despite uh-huh. abuse. This is a guy who told a an alleged rape victim at the seminary he was working at like to like keep it on the DL or whatever. Like, this is what they do. Yeah. It's... it's- doesn't it's disgusting. Help. It's so fucking disgusting how women are treated. It's just appalling. So let's go to this uh, changing gears. So the Supreme Court case that yeah. result did come out. Uh, this is the Carson v. Mackin case that was decided this week. It's mm-hmm. not the Bremerton case with the praying coach that we're still waiting on as of this recording. Uh-huh. Um, but here's the backstory for those who weren't familiar with the specifics here. I know we've talked about this before. Still worth talking about. This case, Carson v. Mackin, students in Maine are guaranteed a free public education until they graduate high school. That's Mm -hmm. the case everywhere. Everyone gets to go to school. That's the rule. But in Maine, lots of parts of the state are very rural. So there are no public schools in the area, and the state still wants to guarantee an education for every student. So what they do in Maine is they say students can attend a private school if they want Mm. and will pay for it. It's a voucher system. Vouchers are bad, but like that's their voucher system. And they even say... And they're saying, we're not going to force you to go to the private school. But if you want to go to the private school and you get accepted by mm-hmm. their standards, mm-hmm. uh, we'll cover the tuition costs or whatever it is. Like, sure. there's money for that. They even say, let's, I'm hypothetical situation here. If, like, a Methodist church mm-hmm. happens to run a school, but it's ostensibly a secular school. The same way, like, hospitals are sort of Christian, but not technically. Or no? Kind of, except Catholic hospitals have very strict rules about yeah, some stuff. Right. But they're basically saying, look, if a church runs a school, mm-hmm. but it's teaching history and science and that's all well and good, we'll let it slide. We will cover that as well. That's mm-hmm. fine. Which we could argue, well, you really shouldn't, right. but okay. So this case involved a couple of families represented by right-wing groups that said, yeah, but we want our kids to attend these two private Christian schools, mm-hmm. like some of which say, if you're gay, you can't work here. Cool. These are schools that indoctrinate kids with creationism mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like that. One of our listeners I know wrote to us and said, like, if you want stories, I went to one of these schools. Hmm. They aren't that bad. Um I hope it's right. Emmy or Ellie, one of those two. Thank you for uh, chiming in there. But yeah, like these schools are Christian indoctrination camps. Mm-hmm. No one's arguing that. Right. They don't just, uh, it's not just a private school. It's a private school where you learn like a conservative, fundamentalist, right. incorrect <laughs> form of education. But these parents wanted to send their kids there. And the state said no, mm-hmm. not because it's run by a church or something, but because this is teaching indoctrination. Sure. You're not getting a secular education and we're not paying for your religious education. That's what this case is all about. An earlier version of this case 
uh, was filed and like it lost every step of the way, the mm-hmm. lawsuit from the parents, like send our kids to sec Christian school and pay for it. Mm-hmm. And every court's like, no, Maine does not have to do that for you. Right. Um, but a couple years ago, the Supreme Court uh, said in a different case, it was called Espinoza versus Montana Department of Revenue. They said taxpayer funding could subsidize private religious education, depending on the circumstances. So even though their case was tossed out in mm-hmm. Maine, then that ruling came down and they're like, let's try again. So they basically did it again and they lost in the lower court and they lost at the appellate level. And like none of these judges are buying any of the stuff they are saying. Um, like one of the judges is like, they make employees sign a statement saying God recognizes homosexuals and other deviants as perverts and every employee has to sign a statement saying yep i agree that sounds like a fun work environment Uh uh-huh so like again these are not regular schools run by churches Mm -hmm. (laughs) these are promoting a certain religious ideology one judge even said the main program is fine because it only says no to schools that are explicitly religious. Right. And one guy, one judge, David Barron, said sectarian schools are denied funds not because of who they are, but because of what they would do with the money. Use it to further the religious purposes of inculcation and proselytization. What word like, was that? Incul- in- you're, you're indoctrinating kids. Oh. You can't do that. It's not because you have Christian in your name. Right. It's because you're forcing this ideology on kids. But now you have a different Supreme Court, 6-3 conservative majority. That's why they kept fighting this. Mm. Supreme Court took up the case. And now you have all the people trying to chime in like, what are you doing? Don't take up this case. Don't side with them. Atheists and church-state separation groups, if you look at all of their briefs that they filed with the court, Mm -hmm. they're all making arguments such as, and I think this is important, this is what they're arguing. If you overturn Maine's law, you're violating decades of like established legal precedent. Nothing in the Constitution requires public funding for religious education. Mm-hmm. Maine's tuition program is already neutral mm-hmm. toward religion because they're not saying, oh, it's a church-run group, can't get it. They're not doing that. The arguments for overturning the law uh, would endorse a long-standing hostility toward atheistic belief systems. Because mm-hmm. let's face it, in Maine, you're not finding like Islamic schools. Right. You're not finding atheist-run schools. It's all Christian yeah. schools, let's be honest Can here. Can we start a school? We could. Um, if you are revising the free exercise clause here, like the First Amendment, if you pull up the text of the First Amendment, mm-hmm. um, I want to make sure I have it. Right. It says like the uh, I want to make sure I'm getting it right. It says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, dot, dot, dot. But basically, yeah, Congress can't say we have like a national religion. Sure. And they can't stop you from practicing it. And like. But if you're giving, no one's stopping Christians from practicing their faith by not giving them money for their private schools. here. Um, yeah, they are. They don't want to. <laughs> they so... don't want it. Yeah. So they're saying don't revise the free exercise clause. It's fine as is. And yet they also said the first amendment says taxpayers are not compelled to subsidize religious worship. And also the constitution's no aid principle is meant to prevent government entanglement with religious education. If main taxpayers mm. had to pay for these funds for these religious extremist schools, you're basically giving them oversight into yeah. a religious school. That's bad on everybody's side. I Why think, would a religious school want the government? I think that's in? the piece that we often miss when we're talking about this is like separation of church and state is meant to separate both the state and the church. It's, yeah, it's good for both sides. Yeah. So that's the decision that came down this week, and it's exactly what you think it would have been. Mm. It was a six to three vote with all the conservatives saying, yep, Maine, you got to give them the money. Um, John Roberts wrote the majority argument uh, ruling, and he basically said Maine broke the law by not allowing taxpayer dollars to go to these private Christian what schools. Law? Uh, whatever one they make up, they can just make this up their own rules. This doesn't make any sense to um, me. John Roberts can call balls and strikes and then just make up the rules for the game. Broke um, the law? Broke what law? Yes, the law. 
Um, what the fuck are these motherfuckers he, doing? He said Maine's administration of that benefit is subject to the free exercise principles governing any such public benefit program. Uh, who cares? What, what he's saying is like if you're offering money to private schools for any reason, you can't say no on account of religion. And what the other side was saying is they're not saying no on account of religion because, again, if a Christian church wanted to run a school that was teaching all the secular things you would expect, Mm -hmm. that's not what this case is about. This case is about promoting indoctrination and homophobia and creationism. We're like the state of Maine should not be giving money to any school. That teaches that nonsense. That's what this is about. It's not discrimination. I mean, at what point is, like, so does that mean anything goes? Okay, well, fine. We can have a Christian school. Cool. I'm going to open a school. Um, it's going to be called Jessica's Rules. And yeah, all we're like, going to do is, like, talk shit on men and smoke weed. <laughs> so. And apparently, the state of Maine can't say no. Now, here's what John Roberts did on, say. Maine, he said, my money. Maine has plenty of options here. They sure. could build more public schools. Sure. Just like that. They could make buses more available to students living in rural areas, as if that well, had never been Well, I mean, public considered. school systems famously have a lot of money to deal <laughs> yeah. with. So, or even yeah, operate boarding schools of its own. Like just just, a just, state boarding school? You think yeah, Repu- so kids don't, Republicans if, are now pitching state-run <laughs> boarding schools? This is horseshoe theory in practice. These yeah. motherfuckers have gotten so conservative. They're like, no, the state should be running our church. Yeah, that's the ticket. This is what we've wanted the whole time. He, um, Stephen Breyer, uh, who wrote The Dissent, was like this majority, this conservative supermajority, now says the state must fund religious education in these circumstances, which is really the first time we now have taxpayer funding that is going specifically to religious indoctrination. Because you remember a few years ago there was this case, Trinity Lutheran, where like uh, I think the state of Missouri the said we will. One? Yeah, state yeah. of Missouri said we'll give a grant to renovate playgrounds, and a church said, "Well, we want to renovate our playground," and the state said no, and then they sued, and the Supreme Court said, "No, the church just wants to renovate its playground. You can't say no because they happen to be a church." Yeah, and this is the same argument, basically saying you said private schools can have money, you can't say no just because they're religious, even though there are so many reasons to say no. Um, Breyer also said the majority overstepped its own previous decisions. Like the state only denies funding to schools that will use the money to promote religious beliefs through a religiously integrated education An education that in Maine's view is not a replacement for a civic focused public education. Mm -hmm. Like Maine wasn't doing anything wrong. But really, uh, Sotomayor, who wrote a separate dissent, she's the one that came with the mic drop moments, which, again, it sounds nice, except you're in the minority, so it sucks. Um, We need something to cling on to, please. um, I want to read this thing that she wrote. I warned in Trinity Lutheran, however, that the court's analysis could be manipulated to call for a similar fate for lines drawn on the basis of religious use. That fear has come to fruition. The court now holds for the first time that any status use distinction, um, dot, 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 who cares, legalese, legalese. As a result, in just a few years, the court has upended constitutional doctrine, shifting from a rule that permits states to decline to fund religious education uh, organizations to one that requires states in many circumstances to subsidize religious indoctrination with taxpayer dollars. Hmm. She added later, nothing in the Constitution requires today's result. And then I think the last paragraph, one of the last paragraphs, today, the court leads us to a place where separation of church and state becomes a constitutional violation. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And this is before we get the ruling on the coach who wanted to use his position as a football coach to pray at midfield after games to make a spectacle for Jesus. I just cannot help but think that we have turned into this utter might-makes-right country. And I think it happened quietly, but I might have just not been paying attention. But I guess I've never really considered... So this ruling that came down, how many times do you think they appealed? Oh, the... 
this case. Yeah, the case that just... Remember, it went up to the Supreme Court two separate times, which meant it went through a district court, an appellate court, a full appellate court, every and every single one of those things, both times, said, no, Maine is not wrong here. It took they, the only reason it won this time around is because this time they knew who the justices were and that six judges were we have our yeah. people on the court. We got the Trump judges. We're going to try this again. So who then? I don't know. Like. So well, these you, people well, are paying. So these people can afford to keep this lawsuit alive for however many years. Oh, yeah. They had two organizations. Do you you have any idea how much much? money? It's a time thing, really. I mean, you have two organizations that want this result. So they already pay their staff. But, like, this is what you're working on for the next however many briefs you have to file. It is to ask them to do that for years on end for a case like this. We're talking a lot of time put into writing these briefs, a lot of people working mm-hmm. on the briefs. It is a lot. I mean, it's not a money thing. No one, it, there, no one. It's a resources it's, thing. It's isn't a resources it? thing. It is absolutely. They like, knew they could get a victory on this yeah. and it would shatter church state separation even more. That's why they were fighting it. And again, you could have, they could have gone to the court during the day of the oral arguments mm-hmm. and got up to the microphone and just sat down. Oh, yeah. They could have farted in that mic made, and they still would have gotten Would the not same have made thing. a difference. Um, oh, boy. Just while sucks. you're thinking of things, uh, Americans United for Separation of Church and State said this is nothing less than gaslighting to cloak this assault on our Constitution in the language of non discrimination. Yeah. Uh, American atheists said the Supreme Court has betrayed our nation's founding principle that the government should not fund religion. This court is destroying the Establishment Clause. Um, Freedom from Religion Foundation. The Supreme Court is engaging in blatant judicial activism. Um, No, they're calling balls and strikes, remember? Yeah, right? Um, It's, I mean, this is one of the bigger direct hits on church-state separation and the Establishment Clause and everything that we have known about religion, it very much, if you happen to be a conservative Christian, you are going to get your way in front of the court. We're about to see that with the abortion ruling. We may very well see that in the football coaches ruling, though, I don't know, maybe they'll throw a bone and say, yeah, this particular case, you're insane. And then they will be like, well, pretend. if you bring me this and <laughs> right. that, then maybe we've got to right. get... You like, hit your, the wrong horse in this particular case. And yeah. then they'll pretend like, see, we don't just give victories yeah. to everybody. Which, like, but, fine, if that's how we get a smart opinion <laughs> to throw us a bone. This is um, pretty devastating, Hammett. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Again, could someone else start a private... I mean, the, the hoops you have to jump through to start your own school and get it into this program. If if Maine, which it's not going to do this, but if it wanted to, what it could say is, you know what? We're not paying for religious indoctrination. The court's going to make us pay for it. But the answer to that is, you know what? We're not... Where you have to change the rules of who gets money for this sort of thing. Mm. We got to get rid of the private school reimbursement altogether. Like, there are legislative ways to get around this stupid ruling. But it's, but for, again, going to cost money and resources. And that, it hurts students yeah. who were actually using the money for the right reasons to go to a school because they happen to live in a place where there is no public school nearby. So ultimately, this is going to hurt kids because, like, in some cases, maybe the closest school near you Mm -hmm. is one of these Christian indoctrination camps. And it's like, well, I can go to that school and get it paid for. But right now, I don't know. What are they going to do? Get you, if they take away the voucher program altogether, what other choice might you have? It it all goes to this conservative thing of let's wreck public schools as much as possible. Oh, yeah. Maybe people will homeschool. We love that. Maybe they'll go to private Christian schools where tuition could be paid for by their donors mm-hmm. and we're getting them into the indoctrination uh, hole. That could happen too. But like it, there have been so many different kinds. Of, and that's going outside the culture war things where they're like every teacher's a groomer in disguise. Yeah. They're trying but to hurt public education. Guns. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, what are decent teachers going to say? Like, that's not the job I signed up for. Hmm. I just will find a different profession. Also, sorry, where are we finding all of this money all of a sudden? 
there's like fucking 35 kid classrooms all over the country, but they're mm. like, oh, no, 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 we can drop a hundred grand on each person to get a gun, get trained on it and be insured for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We absolutely have that money. Congratulations. I hope none of your students accidentally got shot. But I, statistically, they're gonna. Man. Bye. I don't know what they're going to do in some other states where uh, that sort of thing could actually be implemented. I don't know what the teachers are going to do in those states. I don't know if they're going to stay in the profession. It's. Do we know when the Roe decision is expected? Uh, it could it be, be Friday. It, if not Friday, it's probably the last one they're going to do. And my guess is tomorrow, oh, Friday. Week? Yeah, tomorrow's not going to be the last day of oral uh, of opinions. Uh-huh. So probably sometime next week. It'll be soon. Okay, I hope we catch a nice day because I, I've we're going to protest. This ver- various sentiments online, but it's like, oh, that's nice of the Supreme Court to give us another twenty-four hours of rights, bodily rights, um, yeah, or whatever it is. My uh, my friend Anne, uh, my oft-mentioned friend Anne, texted me and said, apparently there is a going to be a march in Chicago whenever it comes down. Oh, I'm sure we're, everywhere we're going to yeah. march. And I was like, God, I really wish they could take away our rights at like a nicer time of year because it's very <laughs> hot in Chicago and marching is going to be yeah. unfun. But if you, know, you could ruin democracy on like an 80 degree day, it would be that just would, really appreciated. Mm-hmm. Like, remember the women's march? We got that really gorgeous day in <laughs> Chicago. I'm just asking for that. Maybe, maybe they'll be considerate and take away uh, your rights on a nice day on a nice day a nice when day. I'm like free <laughs> I mean but you know they're gonna do it the day it rains across the country uh, just to spite very you one frustrating. more time uh, I'm gonna switch gears here Herschel Walker the Georgia candidate for Senate oh, yes, uh, yes. running against Raphael Warnock who's fantastic mm. Herschel Walker who has no uh, nothing on his resume to qualify him for that position other than he won a Heisman back in the day. Oh, it's our football playing um, gentleman yeah. friend. Here's what he said in an old interview that was resurrected. Oh, this guy's this like week. a full-on loon, right? Oh, completely okay. lunatic. And they he doesn't want to do debates. You know why? Because you don't want to see this guy try to talk in full sentences. Oh, he boy. can't. Whoa, um, boy. <laughs> like, you know how Dr. Oz sucks, but at least he has TV presence because that's been his job for the past forever? Yeah, yeah, it's Imagine charismatic. a guy with no principles like Oz, uh-huh. but also has no TV potential either, and just word salad every time. Now, I think this Georgia week is a pretty red state. I'm surprised they couldn't what? drum up a uh, a better candidate. Trump endorsed this guy, and I think <sighs> he even said, like, if Stacey Abrams doesn't love Georgia, she can move to one of the other 51 states. Oh, he did the math backwards. Mm, he did many things back. Anyway, that's not what I want to talk about. Here's he an old interview. One instead of subtracting one. <laughs> Here's it's an hard. old interview they found with him uh, where he said how someone old? asked him, I don't know how old it is, but they asked him, like, uh, is multiple personality disorder, oh, which he suffered from, is that a mental illness of some kind? They asked him, mm. like, do you think you're struggling with a mental illness because you have this multiple, multiple personality, personality disorder? disorder. And here's what real, he said. Here's think. what he said. Do our Lord Jesus Christ have a mental illness? Because he said he's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To me, those are three different personalities. Okay, I have a few problems mm-hmm. that I just want to throw up here, first mm-hmm. of all. Be- um, I don't think multiple personality disorder is an accepted diagnosis of anything. I I'll don't take your word on DSM. that. I don't know the answer. It's like there was a whole thing in the 70s where What's-Her-Face wrote that book Sybil and mm. and everybody had multiple personalities all the time, all of a sudden, and then everyone was like, that, I don't know, that's real. So um, that's my first concern, and mm-hmm. that means he probably hasn't been to a mental health uh, physician in at least 30 years, which is <laughs> neat. Um, okay, uh-huh. so that was one thing. The other thing is, did he accuse Jesus of being... A crazy person. Is that what Well, he's saying, yes, Jesus has multiple personality disorders, but of course he's not crazy, and I'm just like Jesus. I mean, he was crucified, so some people didn't like what he was doing there. I wouldn't say (laughs) that he was well accepted in in his time. Jesus, even conservative Christians would be like, those are not three different personalities. They're three aspects of the same one. That's the whole point of the Trinity. Here's the thing. If Raphael Warnock, the reverend who's the Democratic senator and running for re-election, said exactly what Herschel Walker just said, 
they would crucify him for it. Mm-hmm. Like, what did you say about Jesus? But because it's like a Republican, so everyone grades on a curve, like he gets no serious backlash for any of this. Mm. Oh, it's called dissociative identity disorder mm. now, but it's... Okay. I'm sure he doesn't care. Oh, no, no, no. He doesn't care about what the, the science has to say. I can be goddamn sure of I'm that. I'm just, I'm, it's one thing like when Trump went, like Trump's your guy, conservative Christians, like, do you know all the ways in his entire life? He's mm-hmm. not any of the values mm-hmm. that you preach. Mm-hmm. Like, do you want me to point to the, the three wives? Do you mm-hmm. want me to point to the kids he doesn't keep track of? The affairs. Like, what is it that you like about this guy? And, He's rich. And here's the thing. With this guy, Herschel Walker, it should be so much easier to just be like, this guy has no qualifications. He cannot be a senator. Mm. But also he's he's piggybacking his entire campaign knowing he has the conservative Christian vote locked up even when he says stuff like this that would be clearly described as heresy by anyone else. So embarrassing. Um, it's so embarrassing for them all. God. <sighs> Which story should we go to next? Know, Let's try. Good? Um, okay, I was... I will go to this one because I was actually kind of impressed by what a church did here. All right. Um, It's a story that just came out. Here's the story here. There's a Christian musician named Chris Rice. You probably haven't heard of him. I certainly have not heard any of his music. He was really big in the world of contemporary Christian music back in the day. This is a guy, there's a Christian version of the Grammys called the Dove Awards, <laughs> yes. In he, he's been nominated for a ton of doves. Oh, so many he doves! Won the <gasps> dove in '99 for male dove. for male vocalist of the year. Um, he's received nominations in 2000, 2002, which is all to say, in the Christian music world, uh, at least around like 2000, uh-huh. give or take a few years, he was a big deal, which is fine. Okay, cool. Um, during that time period, several songs he wrote were recorded by more popular Christian artists, uh, the type of songs you would hear played in churches uh-huh. that do that type of music. He was played on Christian radio stations. So a big deal. Sure. Okay. So it turns out this guy is also friends back in the day with this youth pastor named Brad Waller. And Brad Waller worked at a church, big church in Kentucky called Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church. Okay. None of that you need to remember. But the point is, like, this guy Waller is organizing youth events for this big church, and he's trying to get kids to come on down to, you know, learn about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, buddy of mine who's this famous singer, come on down. Let us get you here for some big event so you sing songs for the kids who know you. And, like, you're a big draw. Like, they put his name on the poster. They put his picture on the poster Uh to promote their activities. Okay. So that happened okay a while ago so a couple of years ago today like a couple of years ago um it turned out some sex abuse allegations were made against brad waller that youth pastor right and so what does the church do they said okay we need to investigate this they actually hired an outside christian group but an outside group with some credibility Mm -hmm. uh it's called grace godly response to abuse in the christian environment Okay, whatever. They hired Grace. They said, we want you to do an investigation into the allegations. Uh Like, you have whatever resources you need. Go figure this out. So they investigated the allegations against Waller. And basically, they found out, like, he definitely crossed some lines. Um, I'm not going to... This isn't about Waller, so I'm not going to get into all of that. But Mm. they basically said, yeah, he, he definitely crossed a bunch of lines. Totally inappropriate. Um, and this guy had long been kicked out of their church. He was working somewhere else, whatever. Uh-huh. But during the investigation, one of the kids who had made an accusation against Waller said, oh, by the way, that guy Rice who was singing at some of those things, he was also inappropriate with me. And Grace Uh-oh. goes to the church and says like, hey, while we are doing this report on Waller, you should know this about this guy, Chris Rice. Uh-huh. And so what does the church do? The church says, well, shit. Uh-huh. We're going to hire you again to do a different investigation about that guy. Okay. This week, a 29-page report produced by Grace wow. for the church was publicly released detailing what they found out about 
Chris Rice. And it was all really good and everybody's happy? That's not what happened. Uh. Um, To summarize Christianity Today's take on the thing, young men looking for a mentor in the music industry said they found the singer was more interested in touching them than talking about songwriting. Young men? Young men. Okay. Um, I'm going to summarize. Here's kind of, there were, I think there were seven boys that they spoke to with allegations against him. One, it went very far. A couple of them said it crossed a line and a few didn't want to, uh, didn't want to really participate. They all have pseudonyms in the, Uh uh, report, but here's what the report says. By the time one former student was 17 or 18, Rice, Chris Rice, the singer, also began massaging his thighs, touching his crotch, putting his hand down the student's boxer shorts on multiple occasions. Oh. That's sexual assault. That's the first one. Another student stayed overnight for a week in Rice's home after graduating high school, Mm. and the two both slept in a tent indoors. He said Rice asked to see his back muscles and would grab his thighs in Mm. a way that made him uncomfortable, crossing a line. A third said Rice sought him out for one-on-one conversations and time together. And when Rice fell asleep, lying on him in a bus ride, the student saw their interactions. He saw it at the time as a bromance. But now, in hindsight, he views the behaviors as grooming. Um, Grace, the organization, concluded that the student ministry culture at the church blurred many boundaries Mm. with so much prolonged physical touch and unaccompanied overnight trips. Hmm. So that's their report, basically saying this guy crossed so many lines so often, whether it's through his words, his actions, the creepiness of all this stuff I just said. Mm -hmm. And at least in that one case, no, he definitely crossed lines and did something that would be considered (sighs) sexual abuse. Okay. Um, So that is what came out this week. I I brought this up as a story, not really about him, but like, if you're the church mm-hmm. and you heard these allegations, like what do you want them to do? And what I saw as I'm reading every article I can about this guy is I'm looking at the church and it's like, if you go back in time, clearly they did not have their shit together right. to stop this from happening in the first place. But the question I also want to know is, okay, what are they doing now? Yeah. It really does seem to me like this church did every single thing I would have wanted them to do today, mm-hmm. knowing like, okay, someone came to us with an allegation. What should we do? Let's give it to an outside group, right. even if it's a Christian one, but the grace has credibility in this world. Mm-hmm. Let's give it to them to investigate. We will help them as much as they need, mm-hmm. and we will make the results public. We're not going to hide it. Like, among other things, this is... Uh, from the church's senior pastor, Robert Cunningham. He acknowledged the church's complicity in all of this. He said, we fail to have formal policies in place that could have prevented these encounters. We did not create a culture of awareness so that young people at our church really understood what abuse looked like. Mm. He said... um, We believe, this is a quote, we believe that if our people understood the nature of grooming behavior, particularly from those with spiritual authority, Mm. it could have been identified and prevented. Unfortunately, that was not the culture of our church at the time, which allowed grooming and inappropriate actions to take place. Wow. He acknowledged that. He said, we are going to respond with the utmost transparency, including releasing this report that the church commissioned Mm. to the public Mm -hmm. saying, we're going to put that out there. Um, He said they offered 15 recommendations at the end of the report. Like this is what your church needs to do from here on out. Uh He said, we're implementing all of them. We're at least going to do everything we can to implement them. Uh, He said many of them were already implemented in the wake of the Waller investigation. But like, if there's anything new, we will take it seriously. We'll do that. He said that, You know, while this investigation involved our church specifically, um, he wanted to make this transparent because Rice was a a contractor. Yeah. Like, he was a musician who, he wasn't on staff. No. He just came to their events. He's like, but he may have worked for other churches. Sure. So other pastors, I encourage you to do your own investigation, too. Wow. I mean, like, that's what you want, right? Like, you screwed up in the past big time, but, like, you acknowledge you screwed up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I'm looking through everything the pastor said. I'm like, what have you not done that I wish you would have done? I, I came up blank. I'm like, hmm. you're saying all the right things. You, It's not just talk. It's yeah. action, too, which is important. Um, the one thing, I guess, is they assumed someone professing Christianity was inherently virtuous and deserving of trust. Hmm. And they they should never make that assumption. And he has said, like, we should not have not done, like, background checks on these, which I don't know what they would have turned up at the time. Of course. But it's like, I wish you would have acknowledged that, like, just because they're Christian doesn't mean they're good. The one thing he said about that, I think, um, he made one comment about, uh, you know, just, I'm going to screw it up, so I don't want to say it. Um, He kind of alluded to that, but he okay. didn't say that outright. I mm-hmm. wish he would have. But again, that's me complaining. Like, it shouldn't take allegations of sex abuse for church leaders to realize it. But if they all responded the way this guy did, mm. not covering it up, not saying, you know, we tried our best or like it wasn't really abuse. Like, mm-hmm. no, he's not doing any of that. He also, I found this interesting. He said, if there are questions <clears throat> about any of this, I am the point person. <laughs> like, here's my email. If you want to know more, if you have questions, wow. if you're another pastor or someone with other allegations, sure. here's my email. This is who you need to contact because I'm the point person for this. I'm the head of this place. I take responsibility. Good for them. I mean, where, that's where the is right this response. Again? This was in Kentucky is the oh. church. Um, Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church in Kentucky. Hmm. Uh, for what it's worth, Rice, the musician, he did not respond to any of the reporters' requests for comments. His social media has been taken down almost entirely. Hmm. Uh, he's MIA. But again, I, the only reason I bring that up now is I'm like, you know what? As far as church responses go, could have been much, much worse. Um, I'm, that's what you want to see in a horrible situation like this. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, this is... I don't remember if we talked about this last week because I think it happened... Uh, literally uh, last week. But, okay, so on Twitter, anyone who follows me would know, like, I have a disturbing habit of just watching and listening to, like, crazy fundamentalist Christian preachers. Yeah, we're specifically. all upset about it. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have uh, an intervention with you, you problem. <laughs> new independent fundamentalist <laughs> Baptist preachers, because they all just say crazy shit, especially about LGBTQ people. Um, and one of the things is, if you listen to the <laughs> rhetoric they have where they're like, we think LGBTQ people deserve to be executed, but mm-hmm. like, but by the government, yeah, not yeah. us. Like they go out of their way to add that caveat. Like we're not asking you to be vigilantes. Yeah. We're asking. This isn't a banana we're, republic. We're going to have them <laughs> executed through the proper channels. Right. We, you committed a crime. We're uh-huh. going to have you tried in court. And mm-hmm. when you were found guilty of being the gay, mm-hmm. then the government in a righteous Christian government uh-huh, uh-huh. would. Uh-huh. have you ex- like that's the way they think they sound better mm-hmm. um but their whole thing is like we're not pulling any triggers here we're not calling for violence they say this over and over and of course the response from myself and anyone listening is like okay maybe the pastors yeah. aren't gonna do it but they know what they're doing that's what we call covering our ass in the industry yeah. like you know what you're saying Plausible to deniability. the people in your strip mall church yeah like you're giving them permission Mm -hmm. like if you do it you're just acting on i mean it's what i would do the pastor says if i you know didn't have this stupid pastor job but i sure (laughs) wish somebody brave like unlike me would murder some gay people everything they say is with a wink wink and it's like dude what are you doing okay so i bring this up because last friday um a 27 year old guy in washington state tyler dinsmore was arrested by the Oak Harbor Police Department. Why? Because apparently he had made repeated social media posts Hmm. threatening to kill LGBTQ people at a pride parade the following day. The police arrested him Friday before Saturday's pride parade. According to the court documents, this guy posted on social media, on the right-wing site Gab, which is like the Twitter clone for conservatives. Oh, I see. He posted on there that he he might not make it through this F month. It's the uh, slur for gay people. Oh. He might not make it through this month. And he was nine millimeters away from, like, uh, basically killing two Fs at Home Depot yesterday. Oh. Like, oh Thank you and for then, your resistance, sir. Yeah, and then he posted a picture, a flyer 
for the Pride Parade with the caption, talk me out of it. That's what this guy is doing. that's scary. And by the way, that's not all. A woman who rented a property near this guy who happened to be, uh, she's a lesbian. Mm -hmm. She rented a property that happened to be next to him. She heard him openly express his desire to murder gay people. Sure. She said he had the words Bible bigot painted on his truck and heard him shout out, it used to be legal to kill gay people. Um, She had to tell her kids, like, go inside. Do not come outside here. She later saw him with a weapon, and she also found out from another neighbor that this guy had recently pointed a gun at a black man Mm. who was trying to return a fishing pole somewhere. So, like, when you add all this up. And homophobic. That's so rare that you see both of those traits in one person. So, you know, I had to go down his rabbit hole. and. Uh, so as I'm looking through his other posts, you can also see at one point that he's very clearly telling people, you got to check out this sermon from one of these new IFB preachers. Oh, boy. And he says them all. He mentions all their names. And then I find, like, jackpot. He posts a picture of one of these guys in particular, mm-hmm. one of these pastors. And it's a the screenshot is of the pastor baptizing someone in a pool. Okay. But I know that pastor because I've seen his sermons because I'm a sick, twisted man. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, Dinsmore, Tyler Dinsmore, writes in the caption, I won this brother to Christ. Here's his baptism by my pastor. So, like, literally saying, oh. hey, that crazy guy who does the sermons, that's my pastor. Um, so it's like, okay, so not only are you one of these new IFB members, uh-huh. like you belong to a church from a guy who is repeatedly called for the execution of people. I reached out to that pastor. I'm like, what you got to say about that? And he did not respond to what? me. I don't know why. I reached out to one of his colleagues who usually responds to emails, did not respond to really? me. Um, so here's the thing. Police arrested this guy on Friday. Because they were like, we are not waiting until Saturday to see what you do. Yeah. Like, no, we have enough reason to think you are a threat to people. He was arrested. I don't know what's going to happen as a result of that. It does show me there is a direct connection. Like, my worst fears about those sermons is that you're creating a direct line. Of course. To give people permission to Mm -hmm. hurt uh, gay people. Mm -hmm. These are the same Christian pastors who, like, celebrate like the Pulse nightclub massacre. Yeah. They, they've said stuff like that. And like, again, the argument from people like me has always been like, yeah, I don't think you're going to do it, but I think you're going to like pretend you had nothing to do with yeah. it when one of your members does Again, it. the plausible deniability and of it all. here is a guy uh, who, by the way, owns a semi-automatic rifle uh, who got arrested yeah. on Friday. What uh, state was he in and what are their gun Washington laws? state. Uh, it's a liberal place, but like you can have, I mean, whatever. Yeah, Washington's tricky. Like, Washington and Oregon are both very liberal on the left and then, or on the, the west, and then the further east you go, you get, get a nice gradient there. So you get real conservative people over in, like, the Walla Walla area, I if should, I remember correctly. I should say I got a, a message. Coincidentally, I posted another separate clip of another pastor saying crazy shit and this is like thursday of this week this is yesterday today's thursday today's thursday wednesday night rather (laughs) and guess who tweets a response it's the baptizing (gasps) pastor of that church really who says like i said hey look this pastor this other pastor is saying that gay people should be executed what say you uh and yeah this pastor just chimes in out of nowhere by due process not by Christians or anyone else, <laughs> judged guilty for a capital crime and executed for a crime. Then he adds, are you a queer? Have you actually come out of the closet yet? Asking you? Asking me. Aww. To which I respond, hey, isn't your church the one where a member just got arrested for making death threats about a pride parade? Uh-huh. I don't recall his plan for due process. To which the pastor says... Very funny response. Is he my church member? I hope you don't get sued for slander. That's not what slander is. To which I say, he publicly said you were his pastor. I also emailed you about this earlier and you did not respond. He responds, P.S. Are you a queer? A queer is an interesting... Um, And then later uh, he says, you should take your slanderous article down. 
To which I say, my dude, or as someone suggested, my brother in Christ, it's mostly screenshots and video of you talking. That's my article. So that's my conversation with the creeper threatener guy's pastor. Wow. Is it fun being famous and going to interact with all these interesting people? Not at all. (laughs) Like, I'm glad. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with this guy, though. Because, like, again, he did not commit the act. He just threatened to commit the act. And I think he's going to make this plausible deniability claim, too, which is to say, I think that should happen in a righteous world, but I would never do such a thing. And I don't know what's going to happen to that argument. I think if he was making threat like i feel like the thing about tell you know talk me out of this or whatever about the pride parade flyer that feels like pretty strong evidence that he was planning on fucking murdering people and also it's not like it's rare anymore so yeah of course this guy was gonna do this um i i figured i would end on a slightly happier note this is uh in maine again we're going back (laughs) to maine but this is some news in maine um get this maine's law it they have a statute of limitations when it comes to childhood sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. If you were abused as a child and you want to sue your attacker for civil uh, in a civil lawsuit, um, it turned out that like a law in the year 2000 okay. said, yeah, we had a statute of limitations, but we're going to change it in the year 2000. So they said, look, if it happened prior to 1987, like a really long time ago, you still can't go after it. Okay. But if it happened after that, we're going to open the window. So like anything that happened after 1987, if you're still around, uh-huh. you want to see your attacker, go for it. Okay. Which is important and good. Because yeah. again, the farther back you go, the harder it is to get witnesses and evidence and all of that. Yeah. Um. Well, last year they passed a law saying, you know how we said the deadline was like 1987? We're just getting rid of it. Really? No statute of limitations. If you want to file a lawsuit against your attacker for child sex abuse, huh. we're opening the window for everybody. You can do it now. And this week, <gasps> three men <gasps> filed a lawsuit against the Catholic Diocese of Portland, yes. uh, or specifically the Bishop of Portland representing that diocese, because these guys are older men who said prior to 1987, we were abused by a pastor, uh, by a priest in the Catholic Church. And... Uh, Those three men are suing. In one of the lawsuits, one of the guys who first shared his story in 2007 Mm -hmm. said he was abused on multiple occasions by a priest in 1961 when this guy was 12 years old and working in a church. He said he's the only one that used his name Mm. in, in connection with this. He said, there are many survivors like myself who were abused in childhood by the clergy. It's time for the church to stop minimizing the effects of sexual abuse on its victims and take full accountability for their negligence and malice. Good for I him. I should say the priest How in brave. question died in 1976. Yeah. But this isn't about the priest. This no. is about what the church did to protect it's the kids. It's the system. The two other lawsuits were filed by separate people who did not want to be named in public. But three lawsuits this week. All And by the way, that law that changed the getting rid of 1987 as the cutoff date, Mm -hmm. guess who opposed that law going into effect? Was it the Catholic Church? It was the Catholic Church. Oh, my goodness. They're Um, so unpredictable, those scamps. Yeah. I mean, remember, this is all stuff like if you go back to Pennsylvania, Mm. the Attorney General of Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro, who's now running for governor as a Democrat in Pennsylvania, he's the guy that filed that lawsuit against the church that really tore open this thing where, like, all of their bad deeds were laid out in the public. It allowed so many states to say we're doing an investigation into the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. all the dioceses in our state. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also led to different states saying, we're going to get rid of the statute of limitations too for these types of cases. Uh-huh. So, and every time they do it, I think um, in 2019, the Associated Press said over 5,000 lawsuits had been filed in states where similar laws getting rid of the statute of limitations was eliminated Mm -hmm. 5,000 lawsuits. And they said the bill for the Catholic church, if it settles for a lot of these cases, which they probably will, uh, could be well over $4 billion. That was 2019. And that was only when these things started happening. And now you see other States just jumping on it. Okay. Um, and, and the Pennsylvania grand jury report only came out in 2018. Like it's such a fast, wow. important thing. I mean, so what will happen with these three lawsuits in Maine? We don't know. It'll take a lot of time to sort out. 
But again, I hope those are the first of many. Yeah. Like, take down the whole place, And dude. you said it's three individuals, three who, are individuals. All, who are all abused by the same priest or just were abused around the same time? It's a good question. You okay. know what? I don't know the answer, but I think okay. they were all in the same diocese in Portland. Gotcha. Maybe okay. different individual churches and different individual priests, but within the system. So they were gotcha. suing, I believe, the same diocese. But all three guys from yeah. Maine, one guy went public and told his story already. How many people does it take for a class action lawsuit? That's, in some cases, a lot. I mean, I, I don't know if that applies to this type of thing. But, like, for a lot of these people, as soon as that window opened, mm-hmm. saying, like, oh, my victimhood, like, is now eligible to fight, right. like, a lot of people jumped on that in in the same ways in the same states like mm-hmm. and the catholic church has no real way to respond a number of dioceses have gone bankrupt which great <laughs> yeah they deserve it um we'll see what happens in this case wow oh it's been a week that's wild that's what i got for you oh boy um do you okay. tell me you have happier things to discuss in a bonus episode i got um, one happy thing yeah, I am going to talk about uh, the Cubs game that I went to on okay. Saturday with friend of the podcast, Tyler Meesum. Um, the miniseries Gaslit that I just finished today. The miniseries Stay Sweet that I watched last week. Um, I saw the movie The Thing in theaters. That's in theaters? Uh, it's for its 40th anniversary. Ah. Or 50th? 40th. Um, and then if we have time, apparently Billy Jensen, a true crime journalist, is an asshole. So okay. we can plunge into that if you want to. All right. You know where to find us. I'm at Hemet Meta on Twitter. I'm Please at Jess go. Blimke on Twitter. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Um, you know, leave a review, support the show. Yeah. Did you know we have a store at friendly atheistpodcast.com? We do have a store. And you can buy store. merch. Um, I just realized that this week after someone emailed me about it. Um, yeah. Um, I would like to buy a shirt from our store. I do not own anything, and I've seen them twice in the wild at meetups, <laughs> and it was very exciting for me. Would you like to hear a uh, review? Is the, it a good review? Is it, it actually nice, is. Oh. It's just the top one. All right. Um, Peel Me a Grape wrote, Cemeteries. Quote, people own cemeteries? Many East Coast lawyers own them as an investment property and then dump them on the Menin... I can't say municipality. 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 Where is this going? To maintain when all the holes are filled per my coworker at a PT funeral uh, home. It was just... This is the worst review I've ever heard of this podcast. Well, they gave us five stars, and I didn't read it before I read it. Okay, how about this one? Most trusted trusted religious source news. Thank you for your... Because apparently I asked two people in cemeteries. Um, (laughs) Crazy town daddy is what I'm guessing. There's no vowels in those. Uh, Five stars. Must hear... My must hear weekly podcast. I love the chemistry being between the dark and serious. You think that's racist? (laughs) With lively and passionate Jessica (laughs) and white Jessica. (laughs) You didn't... (laughs) Contrast is what makes things work. I like listening when Jessica is off, even though it's a bit like listening to someone read tax law without her. (laughs) You're boring. I know. Uh, JK, you're both amazing and a light in the darkness over here in the Bible Belt. Uh, Keep up the great work, and we will always be here, your faithful listeners. Thanks for all you do, and happy Father's Day, Hammond. That's sweet. All right, we'll talk to you all next week. Bonus episode coming up. Goodbye.